Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's a special extra episode. We are reviewing the first season of Invincible. I'm Kaylin. Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And we are so glad to have our special guest, friend of podcast and new father, Sean Puffy Ellis, back with us. <laughs> Woo, daddy. Yeah. Oh, hey, daddy. daddy. Love it. We're going to be calling you daddy a lot on this podcast. Um, so, Sean, tell us about uh, yourself. God, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy to be back, gang. Yes, uh, he, my son is now, as of today, he is one month old. So wow. we are. <clears throat> so we are. Uh, so many congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. So, uh, we are over the moon excited, and we are also extremely tired at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, perfect... This is actually going to be an extra special podcast for you, though. Then, given the plot of Invincible, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything just yet. But man, are we going to have a lot of threads to pull and sort of hear what your opinion is as a new father? This is. I figured this was a lot of foreshadowing for me as a dad in the future, so I'm fine. Because you also have superpowers, is that correct? <laughs> correct. <laughs> and also a killer, killer mustache too. I mean, you got a beard too, but that facial hair is on point, Sean. I thought you were going to say that you see your wife as a pet. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! She's not going to like this. <laughs> we love well, you. I'm, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, before I turn it over to Adam, uh, Sean is the co-host of Saturday Morning Cartoons. Uh, they've done a lot of wonderful uh, podcasts reviewing uh, older and newer cartoons. And quite a few of us on this podcast have been lucky to be guests on his podcast in the past. So, uh, Sean, really glad to have you back. So, Adam, I'll turn it over to you. All right. So, our quick description of Invincible, starring Stephen Yuen. Sandra Oh and J.K. Simmons, the series revolves around Mark Grayson, a 17-year-old boy whose father is Omni-Man and his transformation into a superhero under the guidance of his father. I don't know why I would have to say it because you clicked on this episode, but spoilers are ahead. So stop now if you don't want to know anything about this show, which does have multiple twists and turns. So talking longer description, Mark discovers he has his father's powers at age 17 namely being fast, flying, and super strong. He learns of his half-entresty as a Viltrumite, a race of aliens from his father, who also moonlights as the costume hero Omni-Man on Earth. Mark spends most of the season dealing with the trials and tribulations of learning to be a hero, namely getting his ass kicked while making other superhero friends like Adam Eve and trying to juggle non-super relationships like his girlfriend Amber and best friend William. Things get dark very quickly, though, with the death of the Justice League. I mean, Guardians of the Globe, kicking off a murder mystery that both Debbie Grayson, Mark's uh, mom, kick-ass detective and red wine connoisseur, and Cecil, <laughs> basically this universe's Nick's Fury, slowly solved. Viltrumites are basically a galaxy-spanning empire leveraging survival of the fittest methodology and with Omni-Man sent to pre prepare Earth for subjugation. After killing about half of Chicago in an attempt to make Mark join his cause, Omni-Man flies off conflicted as Mark teams up with a space resistance called the Coalition to protect Earth from the likely encroaching Viltrumite forces. Additionally, there are also a million other plot threads that both wrap up and or rapidly expand with cliffhangers, including alien invasions, cloning dilemmas, mafia bosses switcheroos, 
Love in the time of rapidly de-aging body composition. Asshole parents upset about their child becoming a god, forming, storming, norming, and performing as a superhero team, and Abraham Lincoln's true identity. What a series of eight episodes. Uh, let's get into the discussion. So starting with Sean, this is now Amazon's third send-up of superhero culture, following closely behind the spectacular The Boys, and less spectacular, but also existentially kind of dark, The Tick. Is this a focused marketing program intent? How ready do you all think that our audience is ready to see the darker or quirkier side of superheroism in comparison to the MCU? Sure. I mean, I think for quirky and darker superheroes, there's definitely a market. There's definitely people who are interested in seeing that type of content and exploring those within familiar universes that you see that are out there. You know, a lot of this kind of focused on superheroes and, and kind of what we're, we're talking about now. I think for the longest time, we've had that superhero mentality of looking at a superhero as uh, that, that pinnacle of, of justice, of right uh, and strength. And so kind of really seeing the juxtaposition of that and that those darker aspects, I think are incredibly fun to see within a superhero. And we've had a lot of, uh, you know, anti-heroes kind of along the way, Punisher, Venom, Deadpool, uh, you know, and so it, it's, it's been fun. Um, I definitely think that there are people who want to watch it. And I, I'm really kind of glad that we're seeing Amazon go through this period where they're looking at the mid 2000s and pulling in content and IP and graphic novels and saying, let's, let's update the content, let's modernize it a little bit, and let's adapt this in a way that makes a little bit more sense for an audience in 2021. Kayla. Yeah, just to add to Sean's point, um, you know, superhero uh, stories are so part of the zeitgeist now. I mean, the MCU has existed for the last 13 years. Just this year alone, while we're still stuck at home, we've had two MCU shows on Disney Plus, both WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, which we've both reviewed on podcast. And it was fascinating getting invincible, like almost simultaneously with Falcon and Winter Soldier, where, you know, the latter is much more of a straight superhero story with some, you know, quite a few real world implications. Whereas, you know, just like the boys, Invincible takes certain archetypes that we are all familiar with, Superman, Superboy, the Justice League, uh, and so on and so forth, and inverts them. And I think it gives... Uh, people who either are only familiar with these stories through going to the movies or watching them on Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever, a chance to see the exploration of some darker elements and doing stuff that you can't do with the traditional IPs. So uh, I'm really glad Amazon has like sort of carved out this this niche, this niche, excuse me, uh, and I, I hope to see more of it. I want to hear from Clark and then Ryan. Um, my sense is minor short. I think I agree with all of this. I just think there is a level of sour grapesness coming from Amazon that they can't get this huge superhero money. So they're going after these lower products that, I mean, turn out pretty well. I'm just a little reticent to say that I love this, but I think it's good enough. Um, the other thing is I, I feel like I'm just again, one of your points, I wasn't sure about uh, Sean, in terms of this show, I don't think this is modernized enough to, I think this is a, this is an, a great show for 2015. Okay. <laughs> uh, can I, if I, I want to. Yeah, yeah, you're in, you're in Sean. And then right. <laughs> no, no, Called I, out I mean, on this podcast, Sean, defend yourself. Do it, please. Sure. I think that there was some, you know, particularly when I, when I read all of the boys and I'm, I'm maybe issue 86 into Invincible right now. 
Uh, there's some language that they use in both of them that is very, oh, I guess, kind of, in, I'm sorry? Sorry, no, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, there's, I'm talking about language. I'm talking about mm -hmm. a lot of the language as well as also they did a good job in terms of, I think, adapting it and tightening up story plot points in a way that translated better from the comic to the actual screen. Um, and so that's what I'm saying when I'm, I'm mentioning modernizing. There's a lot of pejorative terms, especially in the boys that they use uh, that are not kind in any way, shape or form. I'm glad to see that they ditched all of that for <laughs> the Amazon oh, yeah. adaptation. And there are just there are yes. weird there are weird moments that are in this for specifically Invincible, uh, where when Mark finds out that he can fly, uh, he is asked by a lot of people if he can fly with them and give them uh, like a ride if they can go up in the sky with him. And every time he does it, for at least like the first fifty issues, uh, they're using a pejorative term for gays, uh, mm -hmm. and so it, it's. It's not like reading that, there's a part of me that when I, I look at it, I'm like, I'm glad that they didn't do that. I'm also glad that they made William Gay right out of the bat. You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about that. Uh, seeing stuff like that, just as a friend, seeing stuff like that in a comic book, there's a little bit of me that kind of cringes and then also recognizes that I understand when this was written. I'm just glad that in that modernization, Clark, that they don't include those things for 2021. I agree with that. I, I just thought you meant like the boys did so much modernization in terms of the politics of the era and culture of the era, just, you yeah. know, in terms of Black Lives Matters and all this kind of stuff. This one just, it did clean up, you know, that stuff, which is fucked up, but didn't really modernize it in terms of cultural perspective. And there's so much that they had. Half Asian character, there wasn't anything really, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So I think... We felt you know, different I... ways about the same thing and saying the same thing. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it, like, I don't know if you guys have watched Infinity Train, but not to sidetrack on yeah, something. Yeah, season, season four, my wife and I just finished it the other night. Uh, it, season four follows two uh, Asian Canadian characters through the train. And there's a really pivotal moment where they say in there, you know, the reason that I, I didn't become a singer or like an artist or that I, I didn't think that I could do this is because I've never seen anybody else like me be successful at this. And mm -hmm. we both got emotional and then they just dropped that storyline and it was like guys that was the most impactful thing why would you stop talking about that but I, you know I I'm glad that we're on the same page also Clark that was the nicest thing that you could have said is that I find this acceptable I feel like that's the highest praise I've ever gotten <laughs> on this show you're reticent. just like it's I'm 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 reticent but I'll, I'll allow it. I'm like, well, Clark loves it. I've been waiting to hear acceptable for years from Clark and I've never heard it. I will say no. that. I will. I mean, uh, I am very more my, either I love or hate something. Yeah, this really <laughs> um, uh, Okay, so I am definitely going to be on the side that I love this interpretation. I read the comics back in the day and I, I think it's great. I don't know what you guys want more. Do you want more iPhones in it? How are you going to modernize it? Um, uh, I really, I do, I do like this a lot. I, I think they did a great job. It's funny. Um, I had a, I had a uh, relative call me and say, "Well, do you like the boys and in Invincible? Because like they're really anti-superhero." And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think you're reading into this correctly. But, um, <laughs> but I like that even people that are maybe a little bit anti all the MCU stuff can have a, a show outlet like this and try to be a, a little bit more realistic with it. So I, 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 I just think, I think it's great. I, 
I love the fact that it actually is animation. Far too many times they run, they run yes. towards doing a live action version of something. And then it's all Shark Boy and Lava Girl all day long. You know what I mean? It's just like weird. <laughs> so it's, it, it's tough, but I'm so glad that they just leaned into what the actual art style was and made it a true animated show. And I think it, it only helps it, honestly. You can do more shit. On that, well, you know, and a 45-minute animated drama at that is what I thought really stood out to me. Uh, Kalen. Yeah, uh, just to kind of riff off what Ryan said, uh, your relative was like half right. The Boys is definitely an anti-superhero show. It is. <laughs> uh, Invincible is like, it, it, it's exploring what like a lot of uh, other other stories like Miracle Man or like several like Elseworlds and like imaginary stories that DC has done. It's like, what if like Superman breaks bad? You know, like we've talked about Injustice on this podcast, you know, Kingdom Come, uh, Red Sun, so on and so forth. Although Red Sun, he really doesn't do that way. But I think the added, um, what I liked about it, like, uh, is the added uh, element of him being a family man and about like his son having his powers and then having to like, you know, bring him in. I think what the show does really well uh, as, as compared to the comic, which I read a, a number of years ago, like you, Ryan, is it just gets the goddamn point so much quicker. Making like, Sean, to your point, William being out from the, from, from the outset, the first episode, you see Omni-Man beat the crap slash kill the Guardians of the Globe. It doesn't, it doesn't waste time. And I was really worried about that because I reread the first two volumes uh, before the show started because they're, they're, if you have Comixology Premium or Plus or whatever it's called, you can download it for free or borrow them. And it takes a while for that to happen because like the if you're just reading it, if you're reading issue by issue, you're like, oh, this is a pretty good superhero story. It's like the art's nice. The story's not bad. Dialogue's kind of peppy in a very kind of mid 2000s dated sort of a way. And then and then you get to that like twist, maybe like 16 issues into the comic. It's like letting it happen right away just allows everything to fast forward because while we know the show has gotten renewed for seasons two and three, I really do hope that the show doesn't go on for more than like maybe four seasons tops. I think, I think at that point, I think we'll one, I'm going to be exhausted by seeing all the violence and like, I liked it, but like my God, after a while I was like, this is even for me, this is too much. And uh, after four seasons, I don't think I can take any more of it. Well, the problem here, the thing that intrigues me most about this comic and this show is that, and uh, that's not a spoiler, but is the fact that this is long form and it is not just like Marvel Comics where everything seemingly has taken 60 years, but in their world is only seven. This takes it normal functional time and they've only yeah. gotten maybe 18 comics worth done and there are 144 comics. And it's a story of his life that it's a, it's a real fucking story. I'm not saying how long it goes, but um, I if four four seasons will only get through three four years of his life which is guess spoilers not how long it takes for that to happen <laughs> well yeah it literally goes okay. by the amount of issues the comic has well but, so I mean, right so let's talk about that a little bit because right now where the show is it's balancing this normal superhero origin story you got your villains of the week you've got a long lingering mystery we've got this cataclysmic season one finale all while tossing in more gore than our Eli Roth film. Does like, did you ever find yourself cognitively dissonant over whether or not, you know, you could really stomach it? Was it going somewhere? Just how did it all work for you? I think Clark, you're bringing up a great point too. 
because we have some more discussion about the overall plot journeys, but not everything was really tuned up. This is not a show that was built to just be uh, not approved for season two and three. Like, thank God two and three got approved before the season even ended because I think people lost their fucking mind. So I just love to know a little bit more about how these eight episodes as a season really worked for you in terms of content uh, and just, you know, overall approach. Sean? Oh, I, I was going to say regarding the gore, I actually, the reveal at the end of episode one with the guardians and the level of gore and detail, as Kalen mentioned, I, I watched episode one and then I immediately went and bought the comic books uh, and started reading them that night. And I think I finished like the first compendium that evening, just sort of going through it. And I was very surprised, as you mentioned, it takes a little while to get to that point with the guardians and that series of, of kind of panels are very short, very quick. I don't think I really understood the gravity of what was happening. I was glad that I'd actually watched the show first. So that little reveal and kind of twist at the end of episode one, because of the gore, had both my wife and I sitting closer to the television just going, wait, what's, what's that? Holy <laughs> crap. So that kind of, that sold me. And then with the finale, there is an incredible amount. And I think it just kind of allowed me to sort of see the, the magnitude of the decisions and the choices that Mark and Nolan were both making in that moment. And it just reinforced how brutal the, the Vulturemites culture actually is. And that, that to me, having read uh, into a lot of the comic books and realizing how much worse it's going to get for Mark before it even begins to get better, that I, I enjoyed seeing that. That to me, there was no cognitive dissonance. I didn't separate either of those two. I realized that because they were revealing this early that this could be a violent, gory show. And I wanted to see that violence play throughout because it was a part of that universe it felt more real yep ryan uh not <laughs> to go back to uh can you imagine if this was live action though that would be insane <laughs> like that train scene jesus <laughs> christ that would be insane um but uh no i think it's it's telling it and doing it this way and uh, honestly, the, the showrunners made it even worse than the comics, too. Like, they made it gorier and more, like, they purposely did this. So I think it's not fun to look at, I will say that, but it's it's necessary for this storytelling. So yes, absolutely, it needs to be this way. And it, I hope they don't shy away from it in the future, because he gets fucked up in the future. I hope I hope that's not a big spoiler, but, like, shit goes down. So, like, I hope they don't shy away from that, because I really enjoy it. Kaylin? Um, yeah, I hope they don't either because even though it's hard to watch, there were definitely some episodes. I think it was like the episode with the uh, the gangster and his family, you know, when like Invincible decides to help him. Like that actually even more than the finale like got to me uh, just because of like seeing like, you know, the cartoonish battle cat go after him. But the reason why I don't want to want it, I definitely want to see it happen is because in superhero stories, there's collateral damage whenever, you know, like think about like the first Avengers film where in, like the, uh, the Chitari come in and destroy New York. You know, if that were happening in quote unquote real life, there would be so much destruction and bloodshed and, you know, so many people's lives lost, except it's also bloodless. And so you don't get to see the consequences of a story like that. Seeing like these heroes, quote unquote heroes and villains fighting one another and you see people lose their lives. You see it being like absolutely revolting and repulsive 
Like you need to, I think, see that to understand like this shit isn't actually good. Like there is actually, this is the negative part of superheroism in all these stories. There's little tweets. I've seen like a running grow of tweets on it's like when you know uh, Superman has his car and he's using it to like beat back Brainiac and you haven't made the last payment on it kind of shit. And it's like, it's just such a great like comedic turn of obviously what is like horrible, horrible events. Uh, Clark. I'm, I mean, me being me, I expected more gore. (laughs) I love that answer. I love that answer so much. Until the eighth episode, I didn't think it, it, I didn't think there was enough that the, Second episode with like that a- the aliens from I forgot the Hillary Black, uh, the Black Black Sons, yeah. yeah coming in I thought there'd be much more death because they're like just murdering people left right and center but you don't see it enough for me I don't know I think they might have been holding off the real gore until the last episode to me it felt like for the first second episodes um, I thought the boys did gore better because I've seen it quote unquote seen it in real life in that version versus seeing it in cartoon here. It just didn't affect me at all seeing it here because it clearly is not real because it's just drawings. Over there it's CGI, but at least it's it's supposedly real world. That and woman's the, arm the, gave you the, no the reaction. The, that hanging woman's arm gave you no reaction. Oh well, listen here, I go to sleep either watching horror movies or Korean television. So <laughs> I'm falling asleep to either cutesy um koreans falling in love but like with some minor magic involved or (laughs) people being decapitated left right and center so this i mean it it didn't really um yeah because i'm a a psycho you you fell asleep you were like oh finally something to put on to get to calm my mind this train scene i did fall asleep during episode five and then episode six I, I will say, I'll jump in uh, for our queer brethren. I was really sad to find out that William's boyfriend got transformed in like a pretty hideous way. I was like, I no, not William's boyfriend. And he was so hot. But he still got yeah. a great personality, <laughs> Adam. because he was hot, but that's true. Thank you, are we going to bring that back up in characters or should we talk about that? Should I bring No, we up? are going to switch right into character journeys. Okay. So let's talk about the Grayson let, family. Let, let me- if we're doing character journey, let me quickly do what we're just doing there since we already okay, did Okay, let's talk um, about William's journey. He, well, you kept talking about how you're glad that he came out. He was already out. I think William's story, um, he, he doesn't have enough story in, in to even warrant him being gay if they cut out all that stuff. And I'm not spoiling too much, but it's, it's, it's not as interesting. And then we immediately have to... Um, the fact that we don't have that story means that the real gayness is just, you know, quasi fridging a gay. He only has a real story where he's like his super, like his gayness is really a functional part of the story instead of just I'm the best pal. And it's a story where his boyfriend gets fucking fridged in a way. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. That's the, all right. Great. That's the end of that for the season. I'm sure Cecil took very good care of him while he was creating another army of robotic <laughs> gay super soldiers. Not that I really needed to see another coming out story, but at least it would have been a story about for him. Kayla? Well, that's going back to the point, Clark, you were making about how long this comic runs and how long, you know, uh, how many years, you know, that it can go versus like where I was saying it was like only four seasons. I think that's the way that they'll make it shorter is like they're going to condense certain storylines for the background characters and you know, I think that happens. I, what I liked about William just 
being out is like just seeing an out teenager in high school and like you know William and Mark I'm assuming they're probably what juniors in high school if they're 17 years old um maybe see maybe seniors but like just seeing that and it's just like it's no big deal like there's no bullying involved in there it's just like it's just hey like Mark likes girls William likes boys and like it's all just cool and like I think if you are a well, I hope you're not a child watching this show because it is super fucking gory. But if you're like a teenager and like you're gay and you just sort of see that, I'm like, and it's just, it's so, it's so normal in a, in a, in a show that's so like has that kind of extra normal aspects of it. I think there's something really nice about it, but I, I see your point, Clark, I do. But it shows you as you're a pal to service someone else's story. He didn't have a story of his own. Well, I think that was... He even has to invite his more important friend to come to the fucking college, you know? So that story wasn't even about him. That was about fucking Mark per usual. I just... I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying the fact that it's there and it's so just matter of fact is what makes it good. Like, I would love to see, like, the main character be queer, like, but that's not what the story is. No, I'm just... I, I would like to actually have had him do anything. There is, there's more of a part. Hey, oh, hi, I'm sorry about your boy for a girlfriend, but you know, you were wrong. He got yelled at by the dad. That was Anyway, let's talk about other things, unless someone has something else. No, I was gonna say, there is is more of a carbon to talk about, I think about Amber and William in general, because I think they're much more just serviceable for Mark than the rest of it. I will say, Caleb, based on your point, if there is a world where a teenager finishes that episode goes up to their, or finishes the season, goes up to their dad and says, I'm gay. Also, don't shove me in front of a train full of people. I think we'll really have made progress in this. Hashtag, world. it gets better. <laughs> but it might get worse first. <laughs> a couple, maybe about 200 issues worth of worse before it finally gets better is what I'm hearing. Um, but let's talk about the Grayson. They are the uh, main family of this overall story. We have Mark, we have Nolan, we have Debbie. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Mark in general. How did you feel that the ha- show handled his journey as this burgeoning superhero? And where the fuck will a 17-year-old being shoved through a train go next? I mean, I think they showed it as well as they could show it for a story that we've seen 75 times before. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the twist is that his father's a monster, but I, I, I don't, didn't need to see every relationship he had besides that. I liked, I loved his mother's the relationship with his parents and that's it. Everything else we've seen 200 times. Sean. Clark, was there, uh, I mean, I know origin stories tired. We've seen a trillion of them. Uh, I felt that they did a pretty good job versus the comic book of kind of truncating that as much as possible mm-hmm. to like throw him into the mix. I think yeah. at one point he's fighting uh, you know, um, he's fighting a, a character that's like robbing a banker or something. And uh, they're like, oh, how long have you been doing this? He's like, three months. I'm like, he yeah. just found his powers yesterday. What the hell? So <laughs> it, it, was that was that helpful? I mean, at least to kind of speed that along in terms of just doing those severe time dashes for you? It was helpful, except for the fact that it didn't seem like the relationship, other relationships mirrored that three months. That's fine. I think I the main problem, and I don't like that it's the main problem, is um, Amber. Really, yeah. she is like the Skyler from Breaking Bad of this show, where the audience is most likely going to hate her because she's trying to make him reasonable. 
Oh, I, so I do want to, Kayla, I want to hear what you say, but I do have a retort to that because I actually thought they did Amber pretty pretty well off, but I want to hear well, what you well, there, the, the reason I'm saying that is because I can't talk about why I don't think. Oh, fair enough. Yes, that's fair. Okay. Why I don't think they did her well. Um, Kaylin. So um, to, to that point, you know, there was definitely folks on the internet, you know, you've seen like for shows, it's like, you know, the intended villain, the real villain, like you see it like in reality shows and like other, like other, like, fictional shows so they did for the meme somebody on twitter created was like omni-man is the intended villain and amber was the real villain and i'm like that is some sexist uh, bullshit um yeah. and it is it is very much it's very much like the anti-skyler stuff from breaking bad the anti-carmela soprano from sopranos um and it's like like amber has a point like she's like like you i love the reveal where she's like i know you're invincible like you coming out to me in this way doesn't make up for the fact that you're never there. You're not putting this relationship first. And like that, like I'm, we're trying to build something here and she very much has a point. Um, you know, I, I don't remember her character very much from the comic cause it's been a long time. Uh, so I don't really know where that's going necessarily. Uh, but I, but I enjoyed her uh, you know, and, and, the, and the fact that she wouldn't put up with any bullshit. And so like there is that and there is that like kind of like it's a twist on the old older trope where like the uh you know the girlfriend of a hero is sometimes meddling sometimes whatever but like you know is generally uh when she finds out about like his secret identity think about mary jane think about lois lane it's like oh that's why you were never around that's why you were always late for dinner that's why we're blah blah blah, blah. i'm like just cut through the bullshit like i like that like it like inverted that trope Adam, you wanted to make a point about yeah, this? Yeah, no, I, I, I second that again. I know where the show's going. I also know there's been like edits to both. A lot of the female characters from the comic, I don't know full detail, but I did read up a little bit that like Debbie has a more pronounced role in this. I think Amber has a little bit more sensibilities in this than in the comic. And I really like that because I agree with you, Kayla, that scene of like, yes, yeah, so what? is that perfect fucking like slap back to general toxic masculinity as well, which I know it's probably an overreach on my perspective, but I just get so annoyed of like this idea of like, oh wait, you're a superhero. Everything is forgiven. Everything is gone. It's like, no, you're still a fucking person who has relationships. And I'm like, you have to find ways to juggle them. And I just love that she was like, you didn't care enough to even tell me. And I, you know, it's, it's high school love. It's a little bit like, okay, that's maybe a little bit melodramatic, but I still agree within their world he, given how much he was so willing to like go to the extremes and do more, and it's just such a, Mark overall is such a great character. It, it did frustrate me. He fell into like the standard tropes of, I got to hide my teenage identity from mm -hmm. my fucking girlfriend because I'm an asshole. And it's like, no, grow up and be a man. And it's like, great, get this shit done. She called you out like you should have. And I do think that the, at least the, se the current season ended in a great way. And I kind of hope they continue that journey of both her and William supporting along with Adam Eve, as opposed to this like laborious, like, what are you doing? You can't go to Mars. Like, I think I, to the modernization angle that you, Sean and Clark were talking about earlier, I really hope like the boys, cause I didn't read the fucking comic. I read like one issue of the boys and gave up. They really <laughs> think about the actual takeaways from the show and evolve it for like what people should be thinking nowadays. Um, I want to hear from Sean and then I want to hear from Clark. Oh, uh, I love the fact that they also, that they, Amber in the comic book is white. They made her present oh. black. They made her present black in the show. 
I loved, I loved that. Uh, watching it with my wife, it was rewarding too, because during some of those scenes where Amber was a little bit more forthcoming and a little bit more, I want to say progressive in terms of asking Mark out and kind of kindling a, a relationship, she leaned over and she's like, that's the kind of woman I am. And for her to see that and say <laughs> no. that, I mean, that's, I, I enjoyed that. That's, that's the kind of woman that I find attractive. Uh, you know, I, I think the final, final thing for this is, can you imagine having like the deepest, darkest secret in your life? And you're like, I can't tell anybody. I can't tell a single soul out there, but there's somebody in my life. I have to confess. I have to get this off my chest. I just need to tell them. And their reaction is, yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, uh, Sean, that's exactly what the gay experience is. I told my sister, I, I told my sister and she go, we know, we know, we know. Like, I, I know the joke, but still, it's just so fun. Like, I love it. So uh, yeah, it, it's so stupid. <laughs> It doesn't allow you to be an, a, an ignorant person of your relationships. That's like really what it comes down to. Like you should trust people enough to reveal to people that you trust what's going on. Uh, Clark Sounds and then Kayla. I mean, he's known her for three months. How can you immediately trust someone? I don't get it. Uh, number two, um, <laughs> you said man up. He literally is basically just born as a whatever the fuck, a Viltrurian. He literally, he's, a, he's an infant. He doesn't know what's going on, what he's doing. There's no way he can man up when he's literally, he's, he's a 17-year-old human, but a zero-year-old Viltrurian. Viltrumite. Viltrurian, yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, he is a fucking idiot that should have either told her or not hung out with her at all. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm supposed to see your mom tonight? Nope, let me never do that. It's so it's so bizarre that he just wants to hold on to this when it, he fucks up every single time, constantly. We don't see it because that's what I'm talking about with a three month thing, where it right. doesn't seem like it's been three months because he just doesn't see her so many times. It, it I don't know. It just seems both too quick and too slow for all of the stuff with her to be happening. I do want to correct myself. I meant ovary up. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. But no, I, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. And I, I again, I think if you're going to tell the relationship of them, like, it seems like they went really hard on the connection that they had. So if you are going to do that, then they you have to move that character faster through that process. Because I think either way, it's a lose-lose situation that you're I, I just don't see why it has to be in it at all. Well, that's another. That's Back a, in the show, I don't want to spoil anything. Then don't. Then don't. Kayla. I'm saying and blank. All right. Um, so I, I, I want to retort to Clark's point one really quickly, and I'm going to make one quick point as well. Um, they're teenagers, and three months in teenage years feels like 300 years. Like <laughs> going back to high school, it's like, oh my, every day felt excruciating. It's like, oh my God, like relationships just felt like forever. And when you look back, I'm like, that was just four years. Four years of nothing. When you get to your 30s and 40s, it's like, good Lord, four years ago, like life was pretty similar to what it is right now, you know, uh, I mean, with the exception of a pandemic. But um, <laughs> so like, there's, there's definitely like everything just kind of blown up. But the point I really want to make is the whole idea, I think of secret identities in general are just so obsolete now in superhero stories. And I think the MCU definitely helped kind of like blow that up because there was never any question that Iron Man was Tony Stark. 
there was never any question that Captain America was Steve Rogers, of course, now is Sam Wilson. Um, and so like, like everybody just knows that stuff. And even in comics, you start like seeing like people figuring out who they are. Like I believe in DC comics right now, like Clark Kent has revealed his identity to everybody because guess what? Just like Omni-Man, when you see like a guy with a mustache <laughs> flying around, save, quote unquote, saving the world until he starts destroying it. It's like, oh, he looks like Mark's dad. That might yeah. be Omni-Man. Same goes for Clark Kent and Superman. So Why do I want to fuck Omni-Man so much? Is the <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna unpack your that daddy in a second. complex is fine. We're going uh, to bear back that in a second. But like, I love that when William sees Invincible, like show or Mark show up on campus, like he immediately recognizes him. He's like, I know that hair. Doesn't matter. He's got those stupid fucking goggles on. Right. It's like, <laughs> like, let's get rid of this fucking pretense. Oh my god, Mark left, and all of a sudden, this other guy who kind of look, looks like him and is built like him, like, just get rid of secret identities. They're just stupid. Mm-hmm. Ryan, yeah. uh, I think uh, with a lot of these characters, William, Amber, uh, a lot of the guardian, like the newer Guardians team, you want to know more about these people, and so. It's both a diss and a compliment to the show because you're like, I wish we spent more time on it because they fleshed out the world so much that you wanted to uh, deep dive into their backstories way more. Like, uh, what, what's the uh, duplicate? Come on. Like, she got four lines. Like, you want to know more about all these like characters. Um, and you sort of get that through the comics a little bit, but I feel like they're going to do that in the future. But this season is truly, it has to be about Mark and his dad. Right. Well, let's kind of keep moving on to the trifecta of the Graysons. Nolan and Debbie, let's put them together. <gasps> uh, what were your thoughts on both of their overall journeys? And why do I want to fuck Omni-Man so much? I already know the answer. It is my daddy complex. Sean, I'm so glad you're a daddy. I'm already more attracted to you. Uh, but Sean, you you probably have more, you have the most history in this manner. You are married, you have a baby. What's going on here? Are you gonna toss your wife as a pet or what's going on? How does this really work? <laughs> no, never, uh, never in a million years. I, I think, you know, I think when you asked about sort of the, the cognitive dissonance earlier, that sort of compartmentalization that he goes through I love the fact that J.K. Simmons is the voice actor for this, played everything for so long with such an even keel, almost kind of disinterested tone. And then to see that flip at the end of episode seven and then all of eight, as he is really trying to sell his son very hard on the idea of, you needed to help me take over this planet. I think that that was rewarding for me. I, I had some friends watch a couple episodes and they were just like, yeah, Nolan slash Omni-Man seems sort of disinterested in the whole thing. And when that flip happened, it was like, nope, this is this is why. Uh, it was nice to kind of see some of the internal struggles that that character was going through kind of represented through J.K. Simmons. Um, Debbie is the best character on the show. Snaps. By far, every single moment, I believe every single feeling she's going through. And I loved her relationship with her son so much when that like, is it the first episode where they're like, sitting down on the um, on the steps and just kind of, you know, jiping, you know, just making fun of each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he basically says she's a normal, boring person. And he's, she's like, says, ouch. I don't know. It's just, I absolutely love her. And 
she's going through so much shit. So this next season's going to be awful. Watching her just... Sandra O oh is amazing, and I'll just say that. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, I I love her so much. I'm trying to figure out how to cosplay her at like some comic con. <laughs> um, I guess I'm just like pouring red wine and crying. Like great. Which, I mean, I'm so always every like evening, that, so. every evening. <laughs> But um, I, I do love her so much. The one moment that just sticks, uh, she when he finally wakes up after like him getting brutalized by his dad and she just says, I'm so proud of you. But eh, And then she can't really embrace him and then goes and cries in the hallway. I'm, I'm just like, so good. Sandra Oh just, like you said, Kaylin, just fucking kills it. So amazing. I That is some of the, uh, this voice acting in this show is great with one exception that we can talk about later. Ooh. It's Jason Manzukis for me, just no! because. No, 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 wait! Hear me, hear me out. Hear, hear me out. He's doing a great job, but it's because he's just himself. I, I just know his voice so much from like how does this get made and like other podcasts and improvising and like all that shit. Like, I it takes me out of it. I'm like, this is Jason Manzukis talking right now. That's the only reason. I think everyone does a phenomenal job. He's the only one that takes it it out for me a little bit Kaylin. oh wait just a minute this is gonna flip sean's um i think jk simmons too i I, all i see is him i literally just see his face the entire time i just see progressive commercials or whatever (laughs) i want pictures of spider-man like i I, everyone else either i'd be like sandra oh i wouldn't be immediately say that's sandra oh Uh, it's it everyone does like you know it's voice acting versus acting as yourself doing a voice doing your voice and I think that it's it's doing well if he was doing it, you know, as himself in a in a live action way. But it, I just couldn't get past both he and Jason was. I mean, I still hear J.K. Simmons, but I want to fuck the cartoon that is Omni Man. So Stop it still works. We're gonna Stop save your fetishes for another podcast, Adam. Like we can't talk about your daddy complexes <laughs> anymore. But the best the best voice acting is uh, Clancy Brown as Damian Darkblood. Because Clancy Brown, of <laughs> so all good. of like the actors, is somebody who's done like cartoon voice acting for so long. I mean, he's been a character actor for a lot of stuff, uh, including Highlander, uh, which is you know one of his more iconic roles. But like him as like this like Hellboy type detective, and with this like weird cadence. God damn, it was so good. And it's like it takes you a second to realize it's Clancy Brown, and then once you do, I'm like, oh, you motherfucker, <laughs> you're so good. Uh, I'll say one better. one quick thing about Debbie. My favorite scene is at the end when she goes to the tailor and like they're like like kind of like commiserating about about uh, uh, Omni Man and like she's like give me some of that. It's like well I only have the one glass. She's like I don't care. I mean pour it for me. You know I'm gonna drink this whiskey or whatever the fuck you've got. It's mm-hmm. just it's such a good character beat. Relatable. John, the the line where Omni Man. Is, is in Damien Darkblood's office and they're having that argument and he's like, he begins to float out, like fly and float out the door backwards and just goes, fuck you, Darkblood. And then slams the door <laughs> on him. I don't know why that was so fun. It is. No, it is. It's so good. <laughs> just, it was, it's it so, was good. so quick. I had to almost back up and rewatch that scene again just to actually hear it. But I, I knew I was laughing just from like the, the fast beat that they had that was kind of squeezed in there it's just it's enjoyable uh let's talk about the other biggest chunk of probably the storylines which was the guardians of the globe 2.0 uh 
Uh, did you feel like they truly deserved to wipe off that blood? Uh, were they actually a team or were they just a bunch of losers? Both. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right answer, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed them. I did. Um, I definitely liked how weird, like, like Monster Girl was and Robot and, you know, all of them. It's just, like, I like that, you know, the Guardians, the original Guardians, which are just pastiches of, ju- of the Justice League are just done away with. And then you have these like weirdo kind of characters that don't quite fit any of the major two companies archetypes, uh, like doing their kind of their own thing. Um, and it just like, it, it allows um, us to like see how weird this world is. And I, I think that's what makes the story so much richer. Sean, Sean can, I, can I tell you guys how much of a dummy I am? <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, watching the first episode, I thought that they had kept saying Adam, Eve. As in like, <laughs> I, they were like, oh yes, yes, Adam, Eve. And I kept thinking, but what are her, how, is it a, is it like a forbidden fruit? Is it a, a, like a tree yeah. Oh my thing? God, Sean, 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 you're literally, powers. you're literally radioactive man in that episode of The Simpsons. Up and up <laughs> them, up and yep. up them. <laughs> yep. I would have liked it if she was like a non, or a non-binary character or like, you know, two-spirit. Oh, yeah, I if Adam yeah. Eve was actually the name purposefully. Are, are, that's not the case. Aren't we just lucky that all these people have names that can go with their superhero side of them too, though? Like, uh, it's yeah. a little on the nose, right. a little bit. Dupla Kate, come on! Like, it's... <laughs> do you know you you mentioned duplicate previously, but she has a brother. That yeah, let's, comes not out the, later. let's not spoil the name. Don't spoil. Okay. Don't do it. I won't. I won't do it. But look up the Glad name. You if you're curious. It's, it's on the money. It's it's so on the money. It's. It's so good. Um, that's stupid, but I love it. Um, with that said, the only one that I'm like, okay, so they're doing these team auditions, right? Everyone's got to be the best of the best. Some of them are showing some real powers. And you still put Rex on? You still put Rex on the team? He basically is a low rent. And I, I do love Jason Mantzoukas. But this character is, is a douche and a low rent gambit. Like, that's all he is. It's like, true. I, I don't know why he's on the team. He is the least powerful, and I know the power comes within or whatever stupid quote we want to say. <laughs> but, like, but Jesus Christ, come on. Like, I don't know. Clark, I mean, what do you no, think? Number one, he was on the team team, so that he, they wouldn't throw one out when he, they already had the other three. Number yeah, two, that's true. I mean – we clearly need him. I don't know if there's a slight inkling when it happened with the Monster Girl and Rex fight that there is something there. And the fact that, you know, Robot basically becomes a young version of him. No, Rudy, there's no yeah. way he couldn't be there. It's, he's a super important character, even though he isn't an important character, seemingly. And this, yeah. this whole squad, Guardians of the Globe, is, it's just prep work for the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know who is probably the most useless, it's fucking Shrinking Ray, who I also Ooh. didn't realize the name because no. that bitch just like shrinks and giganticizes and like punches one person in the face while everyone else is doing like her real name most. is Ray Romano, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, low rank. Oh my god, it's actually his daughter. That's the thing that they didn't want to reveal until the next sequence of the second season. Give her a line, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
yeah. Oh, go ahead. Can we talk about? Can we talk about the uh, second best character show, Cecil? Yeah. Because yes, he was. He's more of a Nick Fury than Nick Fury has been in the MCU, and I fucking <laughs> love him for it. Like yeah. that's exactly the kind of like Machiavellian, like you know, the ends justify the means, but he's still trying to save humanity kind of character. I want to see in these kinds of stories. He's so good. He, usually, uh, when you have this kind of Machiavellian character, it, it you aren't supposed to like him or like he's doing it not on the side of the angels kind of thing. And the fact that, you know, he's doing this for good reason. It makes me happy that this character can exist that way and have that um, light versus the dark that we usually see. Okay. Agreed. Uh, oh, Sean. Oh, speaking of light that you can't see Clark, the room that you can't actually see what's in it because uh, <laughs> it's using different waves of light that because of the fluoride that you've been drinking, you can't see what's in there. Yeah. That such a fun reveal for that character. And they, they use that device multiple times throughout the comic book to be able to, to introduce interesting things or kind of allow somebody to like walk into a trap and then do it. it it's, it's, I'm going to, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to put a moratorium on talking about anything that's not on the show now. So <laughs> I, got it, got it. I, I understand that people have read the comic, but we're going to talk about the show. Stop breaking the source while you Sorry. fucking we're, asshole. We're not, we're not saying that what happens. We're just saying this stuff continues to happen. Oh, yeah, oh, but wait till you see it. Like, let us see it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to want to watch. All right. Kaylin, you're and you're like, no, okay, leave me alone. I appreciate everyone being excited. I do, I do. Yeah. I just want to you know, talk about the show. The only thing I was going to say was just, I, I actually really liked the, I think it was, it must have been episode seven. It was the Cecil uh, Nolan fight. Because that, and I wasn't even a big reader of The Dark Knight Returns, but that's exactly what that reminded me of, is like this older Batman smart guy fighting this Great fucking Paul. gigantic, like, I'll fuck you up type person. I thought they did that really well. It was, they did a really good job of building their relationship over the course of the season and making you aware that they were like friends, but not having to like overdo the melodrama of why they would be so frustrated having to fight each other. Um, let's talk a little bit more about supporting characters. This is kind of like all hands in, just give us what you loved, who you didn't. You know, we've got Amber, William, we talked about a little bit already. Art Rosenbaum, don't forget the costume guy who is voiced by Mark Hamill. There are so many fucking yeah. voice actors in here that I was losing my shit. Cause when I went to go like think and write on some of this, I was like, oh my God, so many people that are playing. I have a really good odds and ends that I'm so excited to reveal because I didn't learn about it until today. But you've got the Guardians 1.0, including Abraham Lincoln, the Mahler twins, Damian Darkblood, Titan, Thoth. Like kind of who's on your radar for what you want to see maybe more from them or who did you really enjoy this season? Kalen? Besides Damien Darkblood, as I mentioned before, uh, Alan, as voiced by Seth Rogen, I thought was delightful. Um, I liked his little cameo, like kind of halfway through, you know, when he's supposed to be at Uarth or Urath, like the <laughs> not Earth. Yeah. And then, like, I think it was a really nice, like, um, kind of story moment and a way to kind of preview, like, oh, all these like loose threads, and it's going to come up in the next season. And it's like when he and Mark have that conversation towards the end of episode eight. Uh, I thought that was really great. And for a goofy looking design, like I just think, uh, I think he's just very cool. Sean, should we talk about the Mahler twins? Do you want to They're start? My 
do it, Clark. Because no, no, yeah, so you start, you start, you, you start, you start, you start, you start, you start. You start. Uh, they are they are my favorite. They're my favorite characters in this show. I want to see more of them. It was so enjoyable to see the dynamic between them as they argue over who's the clone and who's the original. That dynamic and how they would play off of each other in terms of sacrifice if necessary. I just, I love seeing every aspect of it, Clark. I'm the same way. Besides Debbie, they're my favorite characters. Yeah. I, um, besides what you just said, I love how they played off of Ro Robot and um, Rudy. Just like, you know, the fact that the who is a clone, who's not the clone. Just, I don't know, I just love that interaction. I just love the fact of quasi-villains or villains just teaming up, but then stabbing each other in the back. But I don't know, there's just, it was just, I don't know, such good interplay. Yeah. Caitlin? So I want to know from you, Clark and Sean, which one of you is real and which one of you is the clone? <laughs> I think we're, no, we're, we're, um, no, we're totally different. Not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, we're totally different. You're both the clone. Got it. This, this is the first time we've ever agreed on anything. It is. <laughs> Caitlin, let me That's enjoy this I moment, ask. please. <laughs> I love it. I just uh, appreciate you not calling me out for having a boyfriend that looks similar to me. So I appreciate that, Kaylin. I appreciate that's that. That's a very 2018 joke. I can't Thank you. Yeah. So you know, we've gone through a pandemic. Enough is enough. Um, I yeah. have not heard enough on this podcast about Thok, a.k.a. Battle Beast. Yeah. That motherfucker killed everyone, yes. basically. And then just was like, oh, wait, there's an after party at the after party. See you later. Like, I found that so fucking funny that this random ass cat looking bitch uh, voiced by Worf was just like, I am going to ruin this episode for everyone involved and then just peace out when I'm done with it. <laughs> I just found that so hilariously like off kilter for a big kind of Amazon-esque show like this that I just, I loved everything about that episode. It like really hard coded for me the kind of show that it would be. And I'm like, God damn it, give me more. Kayla? Uh, there was a tweet from the official Invincible account that basically said, I'm going to tell my kids that this was Grumpy Cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> but it is such, yeah, it is such a weird, like, again, like, I like that was the episode that I think, like, kind of was like, ooh, like the, the, like, like the gore and, like, how gruesome it was because of the cognitive dissonance of seeing, like, this, Thundercat looking motherfucker beating the shit out of everybody and like being utterly brutal and everybody being horrified. I'm like, you're like, I had you as an action figure as a kid, for God's <laughs> sakes. You know, you came from Thunderia. Like, stop it. Ryan. Uh, one other call out I think uh, that deserves some time is Robot. His journey is very interesting. And the character itself is just so fascinating. He sort of reminds me like, uh, beast from the x-men he mm -hmm. reminds me of like a bunch of characters in comics and stuff yeah he's good point you don't ever really like you trust him but you don't really actually trust him and i love that side of him he's just he's a piece of shit but also kind of good like i i love that the uh, dual role that he sort of plays sean R ryan was the was the story arc that he had that he was going to clone somebody take over their body so that he could smash <laughs> A yeah. young girl was that? Was that what you really? Is that what you related to? Let me just enjoyed? look at the agenda real quick. Yep, it says smash. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, I get it. You know what I mean? 
well, so on top of Robert's overall kind of ascension into a human being, or I guess non-human being, just a different type of human being, the first season had a million plot threads, some of which barely started. Which ones worked for you? Which ones didn't? Just to kind of mention some of the things we haven't talked about yet. There's the Mars aliens. There's Titan's Ascension. <laughs> I will. I do want to shout out uh, ro- the robot fucking mafia boss. That motherfucker was amazing. Uh, there was, you know, the introduction of the coalition. There's Dr. Seismic in the fucking middle of the earth for no reason. There's D.A. Sinclair and his robot students. The Flaxon invasion. I mean, the list goes on and on. Again, for eight episodes, the amount of content that they introduced is wild. But what sort of things worked for you, didn't? What do you want to see more of uh, for season two, Ryan? Can I be a cunt? I know that we had like all those stupid side stories or whatever of all these villains. I kind of wanted more. I wanted more side villains. I wanted to see his day-to-day in crime fighting. You see a lot in the comic and there's a bunch of different villains in that. Um, I kind of wanted to see more. I th- I find that a little bit, and maybe it's because I'm not a, a teen or a tween, um, but like I want to see that a little bit more than uh, his struggles with relationships personally. Yeah. That's just me, though. That motherfucker like trying to get that, that motherfucker's trying to get straight A's the entire eight episodes while also saving I was both like the planet and Mars. So day to day, I was like, I know his his planner at this point i was like can he fight someone please a little bit just a little bit kayla what do you think uh well i like the the thing i find the balance of like kind of like the spider-man type like you know trials and tribulations of being a teenager versus him being a superhero i think that would be good what i do want to see and i agree with you here ryan is like like them finding again the balance of like the overarching story with some like episode to episode kind of stuff so we can see more of an exploration of the world. So it's not just about the, the Viltrumite invasion. It's not just about him and Omniman, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's like, let's see some like wacky ass shit that was just hinted at at the end of the season. Um, and like, it's the stuff that I love in, in like superhero comics. Uh, like go nuts, go batty, like just, you know, go absolutely batshit insane. There, there is a benefit. I, I think that's right. There is a total benefit to while not high quality, uh, a show like this that could get the budget and investment to do a 20 episode arc, like a typical CW show, it does pay off because saving these kind of like larger cliffhangers or interconnected storylines, piecemeal and breadcrumbs over a longer season that involves some level of continual growth for characters, I do think pays off. It's just that the CW does it terribly, <laughs> but I think there's a good balance and uh, balancing act for you. And I agree, Kaylin, that like, great. That's how comics work in general. You don't just read the crossover and mega events. You need all the other content to really lead towards like good quality stuff. Um, any other interesting things that kind of popped out to people? One of the things we didn't talk about was Adam Eve's family life, which was also, I, I feel like was relatively queer themed as almost anything is when any parents like i wish you never were born with blank like it's just like great that's just a fucking gay storyline if you ever wanted one but this bitch is literally a god that can like transform herself the planet she can cold press fucking french press coffee without even getting out of bed like they did they do enough with her because i think she's so great i love her um move on <laughs> the, the, okay, so there is something to her about uh, 
she's she's like i want to just do the best for the environment and help that and you're like this is all great and we agree with you but i do find it slightly annoying um the way you're going about it i'm living in a tree house and like i she's doing the right things but i'm slightly annoyed she feels like she's, a she's lisa simpson she's lisa simpson all grown up that's good that's a really good comparison yeah yeah it's just it's just execution maybe don't brag about it so much i know she's alone but i'm still like all right i, <laughs> I did like that they that's got uh I, I did like that they got uh, is it Jillian Gaka, Jacobs Jillian playing Jacob, a voice? Yeah. I fucking love her. Yeah, Gillian Gillian Jacobs. Yeah, from Community and other Gilly. stuff. Like, um, she's a great comic actress. Voice acting. Well, and it's actually a good next question because this was a big sticking point for me on the show. Mm-hmm. We try to you know talk about what we like, what we don't. Music was seemingly a big fo- focus for the show, using a significant number of vocal tracks, especially for an animated <sighs> show. I fucking hated it. And I'd love to hear more from all of you. <laughs> just, I need to get that out there. I don't want to wait. I fucking hated it. It didn't work. There's so many ways to make this work. And all I want to hear from you all is shit on it, hopefully, too. Yeah. So, the <laughs> worst thing about the show was every second a song came on, I wanted to reach the television and just stab whoever was there. This is the Mahler twins, this... Debbie could have been there. They could have died. I would have murdered them. This is a show about Gen Z kids right 17 year old born in the early 2000s find out what they're listening to the most mainstream of it is probably like Billie eilish and then like and then it gets much more like you know indie much more like obscure and like there's some really cool shit out there that they could have put on and we got like basically updated easy listening nonsense it was trash i was so angry as somebody who loves music and you know i do like i was physically angry every time they put a song on there the tone the tone was wrong the the it was immediately blasting through my where i'm like okay well where's the remote well fuck's sake like the sound editing was just outrageous it was crazy and it was like he's he's like had a little bit of girl problems and then it's like i'm never gonna be and like what is and did i make this music it is outrageous. <laughs> I don't know what artists they got, but they were, it was wild. That's my only also complaint the, with this show, but crazy. What? The song that they got at the end when they're doing the montage of Ooh. like everything coming up next season, oh they picked word. the Hives, which they were an all right band in like the early 2000s, but like, why wouldn't you do like one of their better contemporaries, like the White Stripes or the Strokes or, you know, well the Kills or somebody like that? Like, I'm like, why would you pick this song? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I will say that that song did work for me because I'm the exact audience that's not that what you're talking about, Kayla, which is like, these are, it should be much more updated. But I was like, ooh, I remember this song when I was younger and loved this. Song. Yeah, right. Sean's like, hell fucking it. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my no. shit. I was like, oh, bitch, this is going to get serious. But I was like, that's not for me. That's but not for anyone but me. It's so Why not do Seven Nation Army? I mean, I know it's probably more expensive because no. the White Stripes are a better band no. yeah. or something like that. Pick something but it better. was like, it just didn't fit. Like, he was like, oh, I got my powers. And it was like, I'm never gonna dance again. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, why? The road, the that would have been the, better. If, if I heard Phyllis like Whisper, I would have liked that. Yeah. The I would say that the, because there was, what is it that we did? I think it was Run the Jewels with the Mahler twins. Like the stuff that worked to produce action was interesting. It was anytime the show tried to get emotional, 
that it completely crumbled on the own weight of its terrible music choice. Well, um, yeah, how dare you fucking come for the hives, Kaylin? I hate you. <laughs> uh, they're fine. They're fine. Um, uh, so on that note, are, in general, are there any other changes you would have wanted to make? And again, let's say small tweaks. Don't like reset the fucking plot line of these eight episodes. Is there anything that you would have done to sort of tweak the show to make it even more uh, critically acclaimed or more interesting to you, Clark? My, my main issue, well, the second main issue after that music thing, which we all screamed about, was that <laughs> I don't like the animation. I like, so there's two animations going on here. The, fr- the animation of the characters and the animation of all the background yeah. and it's like okay. more than like three characters. It's just CGI nonsense garbage. When those Flaxons showed up and the first one, the King one, you're like, okay, that's cool character design. And every other one is like some weird robot sprites just popping around in the back. It is horrible. And quickly um, to bring it back to Sean and I before, I had the exact <laughs> opposite issue with Shira. I hated the character design of the characters. Oh. The backing was gorgeous. I loved every single second that I got to see design, but I didn't like the characters. So this is a quick switch. Sean, go. Clark, you and I are on the same page. Anytime that I, I did like the actual design and I love the fact that they used a lot of the, they used a majority of the colors from yeah. the original color palette of the comic book. Big fan mm-hmm. of that. Uh, but you are 100% right that anytime it was characters, if there was a crowd of characters, they introduced jank like crazy. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really see it until I think maybe episode eight through the destruction of like most of Chicago. Uh, Watching that, then suddenly it would pan like down the street and there would be people running away. And I'm like, oh God, what happened to those people? Like I thought that they had already, I thought something terrible had already happened to them. And the animator was like, no, I just, I just fucked them up. Just Gave up. completely made them so janky. They don't even look like humans anymore. That, I agree with you. That anytime like individuals and maybe like a, like a moderate group scene, totally fine. Large crowds of people in a city running and screaming, instant jank. I, I don't know what it is. I hated it. I loved when the, all the crows fell down, you know, when he exploded out in the wilderness and they all looked exactly the same. They were just weird crumpled triangles. And then you have one different bird there, but everything command else is Command C, command V, command C, command V, crows. Yeah, I think they spent, the animators spent their entire budget on the action scenes, on especially on the very gory scenes. Mm-hmm. And then everything else kind of got the like a little bit of the short shrift it just like looked cheaper it looked a little janky to use your word sean but then when you see the action scenes and you're like oh bitch like this is this is where all the money went like again going back to episode eight the scene wherein uh uh omni man holds up invincible to the subway like you all felt that i know i felt that like that was a really well animated uh sequence and so that's where all the money went and the time quite honestly right just into that one arm from that woman (laughs) it changes that they should give them more money to do everything that way well now yeah yeah, with season two and three being approved i imagine there's going to be some fucking investment just like even the boys too like their budget certainly went up between seasons and maybe longer seasons too maybe right but adam i hope that they're just like you know what 
let's just increase the jank budget. Like every <laughs> single character. Only bad 3D models just, being crushed by bad 3D geometry uh, architecture. It's gonna look like that. So running in their pixelated. Remember reboot? <laughs> oh, no, stop it. Uh, don't, don't do uh, that. Uh, I think that that one scene where they're all coming out of that portal and they're aging aggressively, that is like full on like wonky, wonky animation. And it looks crazy. I do love, it's funny that like you, you mentioned the crazy arm just being like beautifully animated. It was. And anytime they like did a zoom in on a woman just like ah, running for her life and like they really captured her head exploding constantly with like a gun. I'm like, this is a weird choice, but it does make me feel something, honestly. Like, it's just so crazy that what they concentrated on. You can't Average. talk about budget inconsistency without talking about Nolan crushing that pilot oh. that uh, Mark saved. Yeah. Because that just, we I was watching with a group of friends and people just lost their fucking minds. Because it was like, you knew what was coming. They saved him. This motherfucker's going to show up, land on the planet, be like, oh, this? Boom. But like when it happened in such viscera, you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, Nolan, Omni-Man. Adam, Adam, I remember being at your place for that. And I went to go pick up food during that scene. You're like, should I pause? And I was like, no, I've already seen it. I can't watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I think the, the one big thing that I really loved that I looked in every episode that I looked forward to was the title screen. And the progression of yes. the title screen, of, of looking for that moment. I know Kalen's laughing. I hope he agrees with me. But looking for that moment where they inject the title of the show, and it would usually be Mark kind of saying it or, or, or somebody kind of throwing it out there. And then just the little progression of blood splatter throughout those eight episodes. I found that super rewarding. I really love that every time they did it. Even if it's, it's occurred 15 minutes into an episode. I love that. Where they're just it's, like, oh, but I'm in... You know, that in dialogue yeah. is just so fun to write too. Yeah, like you know what? Oh, what you, oh I can't get pregnant. What do you think you're? Boom, <laughs> <splat>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can just do it. They can even go crazier next season. I love it. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Sean, the reason I was laughing is it's what it reminds me of is like when you hear a joke for the first time and you're like, meh. And then it's the repetition of the joke and it gets funnier by like the fifth, eighth, yes. tenth time you hear it. So by the time you got to like episode eight, I was like, oh, bitch, when's it, when's <laughs> it going to come in? When's it going to come in? And so you get really excited for it. As, especially because Robot Rudy's like introduction in the last episode was so ham-fisted that I was like, yes, you motherfucker, <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> like it's just a stupid rallying cry. It's like the same shit like you see on RuPaul's Drag Race. Every fucking catchphrase she has you live for it because you've heard it so many goddamn times. You're like, bitch, yes, serve it up every time on a platter. Um, I, hope, okay, I, so hope by, I hope by episode uh, season three, it's just, it's all blood and then they just squirt a little more blood on top and nothing means anything. That's what they need to do for the very final episode. It's so much blood, it covers the whole thing. I love they that. Yeah, the whole episode is just red. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't want blood everywhere and no invincible at all. We're making this joke, but I think the Invincible HQ on Twitter has already said they're like next season. It's just like a red swatch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm not here for it. 
Well, so speaking of next season, without going into spoilers from the comic series, are there any big bets or interesting takes or characters you want to see more of in season two? I do want to say this, and I'm not saying anything, but this show is way too similar to the comic book to the point where I don't think it can be, I, I can talk about it at all. Okay. So Clark, I guess the question for you then, are you excited to see more? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Okay. I right. think so it gets better I, because I That's it, Clark, no more. It's not quite as, um, um, there's not as much teething going on. Yeah. So, so this is by, okay, so we haven't even talked about the creator of Invincible, Robert Kirkman, who also did Walking Dead, which is, you know, had 10 plus years of an adaptation on AMC. Of course, that's not animated, it's real life. The first season, maybe even the second season, kind of followed the comic pretty closely. And then there was a huge diver- like divergence uh, between the comic and uh, the source material, rather, and the show. Um, do you think that that could happen in Invincible without knowing what will happen? I, I don't know. There's way too many characters that need to do what they do in order to get to the point. That, that all the characters are way, not all of them, but characters are way too important to change them that to that degree. Not knowing what will come in the future as an avid watcher of anime and both you know, longer series and even OVAs, there are definitely ways, I think like Clark, you're saying is to make sure all the players and pieces are in the right place. And this is probably even true of Game of Thrones as well, at least up until the really shitty last season where they lost the source material. There are ways to kind of coalesce the overall story and character journeys in a tighter, more succinct and more intelligent fashion. Uh, And I really hope Again, like we, we've seen that they definitely have done some modernization, or, or I wouldn't even say modernization, just up-ramping uh, female journeys for both Debbie and for Amber. Again, I'm not trying to say what happens in the future, but I really do hope, like the boys, they keep taking this, like, how can we spin and evolve it to get the same points across while also making it its own, un- its own kind of feel, and hopefully even a better one, because obviously there's you know, lingering elements from previous, the comics itself that I don't think stick. To get through the number of seasons I think they're going to need to get through, um, they're going to have to cut out entire blocks of time, like three years worth of story kind of thing. They might, and they might do that. Um, I just, I'm, I'm kind of answering my own question from earlier because Walking Dead was concurrent with a comic. Remember, like it was, the comic right. was yeah. still running as the show started. And the comic just ended like what two years ago, like kind of like yeah. like very abruptly. Yeah. Uh, if you remember, Invincible, like the comic ended mm-hmm. uh, before the show began, so the the story's done. So uh, I do think um, that they will very likely keep much closer to the source material than Walking Dead ever ever did, or, or Game of Thrones was able to because you know the source material like just never finished. Yes. Sean Ryan, Sean- last thoughts. So far, this is my only Kirkman adaptation that I've enjoyed. I did not like the TV show, The Walking Dead. No, not um, at all. Read it's, the, yeah, it's bad. Read it. I, I finished nothing. the comic just a couple months ago. I'd read the comic more, and even the comic yeah. kind of just drones on for a little bit. Uh, without any spoilers, at the very end of that, you asked what I want more of. I want more Viltrumites. Uh, I yes. want to see more of them come. I want to see Mark have to go through and suffer through the consequences of what's inevitably going to happen next without any spoilers 
but they do at one point pan over and they show a particular character in the final episode that I'm extremely excited to see uh, that is like a, that is a great character called Conquest. And I'm extremely yeah. excited for Conquest to come out. I thought you were talking about Dr. Seismic, but sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, Ryan. know? Did Ryan. you know that Sean and I, uh, I mean Sean and I, Adam and I are friends because of The Walking Dead. You used to have Sunday um Walking Dead nights for the first Oh yeah. Season. Until we realized it was terrible and then we were all friends for other reasons, but that's how we started. <laughs> that's right. Then American Horror Story, then Game of Thrones. Yeah, oh yeah. Then of course Drag Race, yeah. TV night had a lot of winners and stinkers. Um <laughs> My thoughts are this. We're going to get a lot more. They're, they're going to blow out the world, obviously. So all these characters that we want to see, we're going to get a lot more of, which is good news. Spoilers, sorry. But like, um, my thing is, do not backpedal. And I don't think they will because it's Sandra O. Oh, but do not paddle, backpedal on my fucking Debbie, okay? Because I love her so much. Like, they need to keep her forefront because they the world is going to get a lot bigger, and wider and you're going to see a lot more characters and they're all going to get fleshed out but like do not backpedal on debbie don't sleep on debbie <laughs> or do or do oh sleep oh, with I love her so much <laughs> but only mm. if she wants to kayla exactly yeah. uh just building off of sean's point about seeing more of the viltrumites i definitely want to see that because the idea of you know the viltrumites are essentially kryptonians right uh and seeing that like their planet was never destroyed and they're not altruistic is the way no one first described them. And they are conquerors in the way that they, like that sequence of them, like, you know, the survival of the fittest, they like, they like break, you know, like all their ranks to see who can actually survive. And then the ones that remain are the strongest of the strong. And then they go out to the world, like Green Lantern style reminds me of one of my favorite, like Elseworlds for DC, where like Krypton was never destroyed. And they come and they invade Earth and they do it under the auspices of like we're a much more civilized society. So seeing that play out, um, I, I, I'm very, very into that. Love it. Uh, in odds and ends, I know I've been, I, I think I planted this seed earlier. My favorite fun fact was that, did you know that Reginald Bell Johnson actually voiced the <laughs> principal of Reginald Bell Johnson High School? I fucking love that. And I lost my mind and I enjoyed it so much because I was like, what the fuck? When I saw that the first time they put it on screen that they were in the uh, at the school. So hats off to you, Reginald Bell Johnson. Um, well, so that brings us to the end of our podcast. Any final thoughts, uh, any dramatic realizations you've had over the course of this uh, hour plus? Right. I, I, I got something. Um, I, I think a lot of people went into this just thinking it's going to be an animated superhero show. And a lot of people that don't necessarily watch this, my relatives for one, um, they, a lot of people enjoy this a lot. Like, so I would say, and I wanted to get the, the acclaim that it deserves. So like recommend it to a friend. If you guys watch it and like it, recommend it to a friend, because I think most people are going to like this show. I think it kind of has something for every type of person. So definitely recommend it. Kaylin, Sean. Um, so I have friends who love watching like superhero stuff, MCU stuff with their children who are like maybe 10, 12, 15 years old. I told them, watch the show, but do not let your children watch this. 
until you watch it first and then you can decide whether it's for them or not but like it is so hyper violent that like i think you got to be like a certain age to really kind of like be cool with it or like i don't know i don't know i don't want to turn into like you know like a tipper gore type helicopter parent here as somebody who doesn't even have any kids <laughs> but like it is not something like Falcon and Winter Soldier or WandaVision or Infinity War or Endgame where you can like take your 12 year old to and watch. It's like, this is very much an adult show. Uh, to your point, Kaylin, I think the idea of animation as an adult art form needs to be just further solidified. I think that in many Agreed. cases we think cartoons, we think kids, I love the fact that we are making more and more adult animated shows. Adam, you mentioned season four of Castlevania coming up. That show is gory as hell, uh, but it's also beautiful and it's wonderful. It's, it's a great watch, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think that regardless of whether you wanna go kidsy with maybe something a little bit more familiar like an infinity train, that still packs an incredible emotional punch that I think is worth watching. and. In some cases, that's not necessarily for kids too, because man, I'm a parent and I don't know that I'm ready to have those discussions with my child when they're 10 years old. And they're like, dad, what are some of the complexities of being a person? And I, I don't know that I wanna have or begin that discussion at 10, maybe 11, we'll work into it. Huh. But I think for, for something that you know has violence that is adapted, I love seeing these shows uh, even on Netflix right now, there's a sh uh, cartoon that's an adult series called uh, Dota, Dragon's Blood, which yeah. is a beautiful I, show. It's very well animated. Clark, you'd love it. There's not a, there's not a lot of jank it. in it. You did? I watched okay. everything <laughs> immediately. I did. I, me too. Uh, I, and I liked it. You see? I did too. All right. Oh, man. You, <laughs> you see? It's so much a comma now. All right. So <laughs> I, I, think, I think, you know, looking at, the, looking at this now as an art form and sort of understanding that as a way to kind of either adapt existing things that are out there or bring in new IP, I think is, is strong and powerful. I like this versus maybe moving some Marvel things into sort of these cartoon eras. Like I, I like seeing this with this style of animation. Uh, I think the more that people see this and kind of recognize this, and as you were mentioning, Ryan, recommend this to a friend, this now becomes something where people consider this to be less kidsy and more mainstream in terms of an actual art form. That's what I'm um, Netflix and Amazon have this down in terms of uh, like actually having adult animation, understanding it, obviously adult swim as well. Um, as you're talking about Infinity Train, that was canceled because it was not kid friendly enough. Not in like a violence way, but like they literally said, kids can't get into this. And obviously mm -hmm. adults are watching it and fucking loved it. Um, I don't think, certainly not network, um, even though Network doesn't really have cartoons except for Simpsons and, and Family Guy, but, um, and the, the ilk. And, um, but cable does not get that at all yet. The fact yeah. that certainly D Disney, when it was Disney kids and Disney, you know, all their teen shit didn't get it. And Cartoon Network doesn't understand. They cancel every fucking thing immediately if it's not immediately digestible to six-year-olds. Yeah, except for Adult Swim stuff, but I think what you're both hitting on yeah. is that most of the comedy on cable and even network is it, it, cartoons on comedy uh cable and network are comedy so there isn't there's this missing link and obviously all of us fucking love bojack horseman to death yes. like it really is on the streaming services that you're really kind of bridging that gap on animation and adult uh content 
Um, Kaylin, last comment. Yeah, I just want to see more animated adaptations of like like Image and Dark Horse and Oni and some and Boom and like some of these other like uh, company uh, properties. Like not just the superhero stuff. Imagine seeing like Saga, you know, like done in animated style, or right. or oh like God. East of West, or Descender, or any of that kind of stuff, and like doing stuff that's like a little bit off the beaten path with the animation. In the same way that we see like uh, Sex Step and Robots, uh, you know, some of the style that we see in the anthologies there, uh, I think there would be some really really cool stuff. So that's my final thought. I love it, and that wraps us up perfectly to thank once again, Daddy Supreme, new father, loving husband, Sean Paul Ellis. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Would you like to tell everybody where they can find you and how to listen to you and learn more about you and your life? Sure. You can check out uh, any podcast network. You can search Saturday Morning Cartoons. Just remember it's morning with a U. Uh, episodes are on hiatus right now since, uh, since I'm a dad. So they will hopefully be they will hopefully be picking up at some point in the in the future with my co-host Dave Trumbor. Uh, as for anything related to Saturday morning cartoons, morning tunes uh, at Twitter and Saturday morning cartoons on Instagram, and you can always find me Sean Paul Ellis on Instagram and Twitter as well. Got it. Well, and you've heard it here first. I feel like Clark and Sean are going to start their own odd couple podcast, probably after <laughs> this, given how much they love to agree and hate to agree. Okay. Uh, if you Who is learn... the club? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. Every second of it. Uh, I, I, uh, I wanted to say thank you guys again for having me on. It's always a joy and I really super appreciate the conversation. So thank you. Yeah, of Thanks course. We know. We, Bitch, we, we love, love you. This is oh, great. You Thank you so much. So for Homo Superior, if you're looking to, you obviously already know where we are because you're fucking listening to us. <laughs> but if you want to follow other channels beyond our podcast, you can find Homo Superior on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. If you do like what you're hearing, which you should, because this is a fucking good podcast, but fuck yourself. Make sure to <laughs> like and subscribe to us. Tell a friend, just like Invincible. Uh, and we can't wait to hear more from you. Stay invincible. You are invincible. We love you. Good night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>